0: Yeah. If you've got your Bibles, get them out because we're going to get into the Word of the Lord this evening. And uh, there are four scriptures <clears throat> that I want to read in just a few moments, and uh, we'll allow you uh, to be seated, and we'll read uh, while seated because it's rather lengthy reading. Um, but uh, I just want to share with you or remind you uh, that uh, at Life Church we believe that people grow spiritually three different ways. They grow actually in three different directions They grow upward they grow outward and they grow downward. That's how you grow spiritually I'll explain that real quick to you just like a tree That is planted a seed that's planted and grows as a tree You know that a tree has three directions of growth. It grows downward with the root system It grows upward with the trunk and it grows outward with the leaves and branches, or the part of the tree called the crown. And so spiritual beings are living beings, right? Spiritual growth is organic. It's not something we force. And so as Christians, we should be growing downward, upward, and outward. And some of you say, well, Pastor, I'm growing outward. i got that one covered. <laughs> and Pastor, I know you are a little bit too. Uh, we're not talking about physically, we're talking about spiritually. And uh, just real quickly, when you grow upward, we teach that that is growing in your relationship with other believers, growing in your friendship and connection with other believers. This is important. My family needs to be connected to other believers, other families of believers. I need to be connected with other men that are believers. And uh, young people need to be connected with... We need to be growing in our relationship with other people. The crown represents growing outward, which is growing in our influence with lost people. Extending, where in the tree do the blessings come? In the leaves, and the branches, and the fruit. It comes in the crown, the outward growth. And so that is growing in our influence and relationship with people that are lost. But what we're talking about tonight... Is growing downward, and that is our root system growing in our relationship with God. And guess what? Everything that's happening above the surface with a tree is supported by what's going on below the surface. And a lot of times you can't see it and recognize it, but it's important because that root system is what gains the nutrients and nourishment from the ground. And it also anchors and stabilizes that tree when the storms come and when the wind blows. You need a root system in a tree to keep it surviving and thriving. And the same is true in our spiritual walk with God. Amen. Now, you can act like a Christian, call yourself a Christian, go to church, have friends in church and so forth. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you can't really grow spiritually. Amen. There's two types of roots. There are tap roots and there are feeler roots. Tap roots are roots that grow down and they're hard and rigid. And what they do is they provide support for the tree. Feeler roots are small little finger-like hairs that come off of those tap roots that are on a search or a quest for nutrients and moisture. And what do they do? They provide those nutrients and moisture for the health of the tree. Well, spiritually, we have two ways that we grow in our relationship with God. The tap roots is growing in our relationship with God by becoming firmly established in His Word. Can I get an amen? And those feeler roots is, is reaching out to connect with God and be strengthened by God through worship and prayer. So our feeler roots are worship and prayer. We need to be growing in our relationship with God through prayer and through worship, but we also need to be growing in our relationship with God through becoming firmly established and burrowing into the Word of God. Guess what? A tree never stops growing until it dies. Amen? Amen. So we need to keep getting into the Word. We need to keep expanding in prayer. We need to keep expanding in worship because our root system is going to support what's happening above ground. I want to get closer to Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd minister to us tonight as we study your Word, as we get into your Word, Lord God, to understand and receive convictions based on the doctrines of Scripture I pray that you'd speak to us, Lord. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have some readers help me real quick. You may be seated. Um, Brother Steele, if I could get you to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Um, Brother Rick, if you would look up 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. That's 1 Peter 2 and 9. And uh, somebody else got a Bible, wave it for me so I can see and we can, Sister Brown's got a electronic Bible, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and one more, I need one more reader, somebody w- willing to read, Ver- Veronica, thank you, you can read 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, we're going to get in the Word of God together. So those are the four passages you can go ahead and kind of look them up you've got four fingers you can put them all in your Bible if you want to First uh, Peter chapter 1, 1, Peter chapter 2, Romans chapter 12 and first John chapter number two. Now for the next few weeks if the Lord allows we're going to be doing some Bible teaching on some practical Christian living principles. now uh, there is a chance with our revival, If it extends during the week, we may have revival on on Wednesday nights, and that will be great. Uh, But uh, if not, if we don't finish it now, we'll finish it as soon as possible because these are some important principles that I think we need to understand and get a hold of as Christians. Now, just uh, uh, by way of informing you what we'll be studying the next few weeks, uh, many of these principles that we're going to teach on, some of you or many of you in this place have been taught on these in the past, Uh, But I believe it's important to reestablish and reaffirm some doctrinal teachings uh, that you may have heard before or even understood before just to reinforce those and to establish them. And there are others of you that are in our midst that uh, um, may be newcomers or new members in our church and uh, you've heard a few things and you've noticed probably some of the external visible signs of Christianity particularly among some of the ladies in the church in areas of, like, their clothing. Uh, you'll notice that uh, many of the ladies in the church wear dresses or skirts instead of wearing pants. And uh, you'll notice that uh, uh, kind of different from the world, that um, that uh, in in these godly ladies you don't see plunging necklines and rising hemlines. Uh, I think some of you were at camp where you heard the archipelago, the, uh, Culture is trying to cause the hemlines and the uh, necklines to meet in the middle. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and you also notice, uh, particularly among the, uh, you'll notice that the men have short hair and the ladies have long hair. And you probably notice an absence of makeup and jewelry. And uh, over the last, I would say, 50 years, these decisions of people to observe these scriptural teachings... Have, uh, have, have kind of become more and more and more prominent and noticeable. You know the old phrase, sticking out like a sore thumb? As our culture has changed over the last 50 years, those who embrace and live out these scriptural principles in their life have become more and more noticeable. So what I'd like to do over the next few weeks is to share with you directly from the Word of God where these practices come from, and why we as a church and as a uh, as a group of believers as, a, as an ex- a larger body of believers, and of course at the local level too, feel that it's important to embrace and live out these biblical convictions, yeah, in two thousand and ten amen and uh um, even in, in an era, in a time where such scriptural, biblical convictions are so unique and stand out so much to the point of not just being different, but also sometimes even being ridiculed. Specifically tonight, I want to talk, first of all, kind of about the big picture rather than looking specifically at the details. We'll begin to look at the details next Wednesday night. We'll talk about. Uh, what the Bible has to say about men's and women's hair the Bible addresses it So it's not going to be my opinion or somebody's opinion. We're going to see what the Bible has to say About it and look at those scriptures, but tonight we want to answer big picture questions like what is holiness anybody heard of the word holiness before It's in the Bible many many times So we're going to talk about what is holiness and at the end briefly talk about What's happening in our culture today, why the culture is swinging so quickly and f- uh, far away from scriptural principles of modesty and holiness. And then in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll focus on specific teachings like the, uh, such as the external standards of separation from the world and unto God, such as hair, apparel or clothing, and adornment. So we're going to look right out of the Bible if you have any questions, we'll answer questions. We want to show you what the Bible teaches on these principles. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. We're going to get into this portion of studying the Word of God. Now, first of all, we want to look at these verses of Scripture uh, that kind of form the foundation of our discussion tonight. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Brother Steele, would you read those verses? Okay, uh, the Apostle Peter, the one that was with Jesus and preached on the day of Pentecost, is writing here, and he says, for us to be holy as the one who has called us is holy in all manner of conversation. Now, the word there that is translated conversation, when we think of conversation, we think about well, talking to somebody. But the word translated conversation there comes from a word that means lifestyle. In all of your lifestyle, be ye holy. Because God is holy. He that called you is holy. And then it quotes from the Old Testament as it is written. And these are the words of Jehovah, Yahweh in the Old Testament saying, Be holy for I am holy. So the word of God says that we are to be holy. We're going to talk about what that means and answer the question, What does it mean to be holy as God is holy? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. All right, it says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, a peculiar people. In the King James Version, a peculiar or different or distinct or unique people. And the reason is not just so you can be weird, but so that you can show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the the point of this passage of Scripture here in 1 Peter, once again, Uh, Quoting from the Old Testament That you as God's people Are a chosen generation for a purpose You're a royal priesthood A holy nation There's that word holy again And peculiar which means different Or unique or separate Or set apart from the norm if you would So that you can show forth the praises Of him who called you out of darkness Into his marvelous light This passage of Scripture lets us know real clearly that as God's people, we're supposed to be different than the average person. And the reason is not so we can be prideful or feel better, but so that we can show forth the praises of the one that called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of us can agree that this world is immersed in spiritual darkness? It's, it's very, very dark. I mean spiritually when you uh, observe the values of this world that we live in. Uh, it shouldn't take you long if you want to find out what the values of this generation is. All you have to do is flip through the channels one night on, on a television, through a cable television, go through the various channels, and you can see the values of this current culture and this world. But the Bible says we're supposed to be a peculiar, different, chosen. All right? Let's continue. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Okay, stop there. Let's, let's go back and look at this. It says, I beseech you. This is the, now the Apostle Paul speaking. We just heard from Peter. Now this is the Apostle Paul. Everybody got that? The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, presumably. Most agree. I beseech you, therefore, brethren or brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. Everybody say your bodies. Your physical body. You present it. A living sacrifice. Holy. Present my body to God, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable service. Everybody say it's reasonable. or, Or say it like this. That's reasonable. Reasonable versus unreasonable. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means my body is given to God as a sacrifice. But it's not going to be cut open and burnt like an animal sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. And I present it as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. And look at verse 2. It further expounds upon this principle. says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody understands what the word conformed means. Conforming. Um, I, I, believe, I believe it was um, maybe Ralph Waldo Emerson said, whosoever would be a man must be a nonconformist. That's for the English majors in the class. But, uh, 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 but the Bible is saying here, Be not conformed to this world. Now, there's different translations of the Bible that try to explain this. And one of the neat ones, it says, don't be squeezed into this world's mold. You're not going to fit in. The principle is, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you're a new creature in Jesus Christ, old old things have passed away, all things have become new, you're going to be a proverbial Square peg in a round hole or vice versa You're just not going to fit and this scripture is saying don't try to Don't try to fit in don't try to conform To the expectations and the values of this world, but rather be Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Of course, that's through the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit and the Word of God renews our way of thinking and renews our mind so that we can prove the good acceptable and perfect will of God. And finally, 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. This is another one of the great apostles named John. Let's see what he has to say. If you can jump back to verse 15 It says love not the world neither the things that are in the world If any man love the world the love of the father is not in him We taught on this passage of scripture uh, a few months ago And obviously the bible says in another place for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son So this passage of scripture is not giving us an instruction not to love people It is an instruction not to be in love with the values of this worldly system. Not to be in love with the values and the principles of worldliness. All right. So, uh, have anybody heard this term before, worldly or worldliness? Let me just explain what worldliness is. Worldliness is the sin of allowing your appetite, your ambitions, and your conduct to be fashioned according to earthly values. This is a sin, and this is something that we as people of God who are growing our root system into the Word of God have to resist this pressure externally imposed upon us by this world to allow our appetites, our ambitions, and our conduct to be fashioned according to this world's values. That's worldliness. And the Bible says, don't be in love with the world. How many know this is a constant battle to fight? Because we're flesh and we live in this world. And this world is constantly presenting its allurements and uh, presenting its values in such a way where we feel almost awkward if our values don't match up with the values of this world. So we're going to use these four scriptures to kind of form a foundation for a few minutes to talk about the basic Introduction to the concept of holiness So back to the first verse that we looked at where it says be holy For I am holy according to the word of God the one that called you is holy so be ye holy So the question is this word holy we've heard holy 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 this holy that what does holy mean All right We'll we'll tell you what the word holy means it simply means Well, first of all, it's a basic characteristic of God, one of God's basic characteristics. Now, some of you remember uh, as you read the uh, um, descriptions of people who came into the presence of God that um, um, uh, John the Revelator saw the angels crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, just speaking over and over and over again. One of God's greatest attributes and highest characteristics is that God equals holy. God is holy. So the word holy, when it's used to refer to God, what does it mean? What does it mean we say God is holy? It means that God is absolutely perfect and absolutely pure. Everybody got that? Holy is the Lord. That means God is perfection. And purity to the highest degree. Perfection and purity. Now here's the deal. You also notice that in the Old Testament and New Testament, the word translated in the King James Version, holy, is used many times to describe things other than God. Right? Uh, and uh, the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is kadesh. That's used to describe holy things, or holy men, holy women. Now, obviously, when we're referring to items or people, we're not going to say that they're absolutely perfect or absolutely completely pure. That's not what the word Kadesh means when it's used as a modifier of things or individuals. What the word holy means in reference to other things is, It means something or someone who has been set apart for God. For God. Now, to to give you an example so you can follow along with me. um, When the priests went to do their priestly duties in the Old Testament fulfillment, observation of Old Testament worship in the tabernacle, they would wear what's called a holy vestment. That was a holy garment. Now, two things it didn't mean. Number one, by calling it a holy garment, it did not mean that it was absolutely pure and absolutely perfect. It also did not mean that it had lots of holes in it. But what it meant was that this vestment was set apart for God. It had a specific, defined use that was used for God's purpose. So you have a lot of other shirts you can wear. Priests during the day. If you want to go out to dinner. Or if you want to uh, go hunting. Or if you want to engage in sports. You've got a lot of other things you can wear. But you can't wear the holy vestment. Unless you're doing the work of God. Because it is holy. Not that it's pure or perfect. But it's set apart for God's purpose. The same is true of holy men and women of God. They weren't perfect. There's never been a perfect person born except one. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. There you go. The sinless one. Everybody else was shaped in iniquity, born in sin. So we can't say that they were absolutely perfect and completely pure. What were they? They were set apart from the norm. They weren't just right there in the mix like everybody else for common use or vulgar use, but they were set apart for a special... Use and that is for God. So, whenever we use holy to describe God, it means absolutely perfect and pure. Holy to describe things or other individuals, that which is set apart to God. So, when we talk about holiness, there's kind of a negative side and a positive side to it. The word holy to describe a person, the negative side is being separated from the world, but the positive side is being dedicated. Unto God So there's some things that The holy vestment is separated from But it's dedicated unto And so holiness When it describes you and I Means very specifically Separated from sin And worldliness And dedicated to God Okay everybody got that Holy When it describes a believer And our desire to be holy When it says be ye holy For I am holy God is saying, be ye separated from sin and worldliness and dedicated to me because I am absolutely pure and perfect. Has everybody got that? Be separated from sin and worldliness and dedicated to God's purpose. This is the principle of holiness in the Word of God. And we are called to be holy. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, I'm sorry, chapter number six, Second Corinthians chapter number six, verse seventeen, through Second Corinthians chapter 17 and one. it says this, once again, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord." And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Look at that. Some people say, well, it's just on the inside. The Bible says cleanse from the filthiness of the flesh and The Spirit. That means the body and the Spirit. Remember, we're dedicating our bodies unto God as a living sacrifice. This is our reasonable service. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So this. Obviously, every time you see it, it's, it's connected. Coming out from among them and being separate, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why? Because holiness means being separated from sin and worldliness and dedicated unto the Lord God Almighty. The Bible says this, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Now, you may not know what holiness means, but you better find out because you got to have it to see the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so this is one of the teachings and principles of Scripture that uh, we want to focus on. So it says here that we are called out. He says, come out from among them and be separate. In fact, some of you may not know this. A lot of you probably know this, but did you know uh, the first time the word church is mentioned uh, is, is in the New Testament? And uh, Jesus said these words to Peter after Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. First time the word church is mentioned. And, uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And, uh, of course, the rock that he was talking about was the confession that Peter had made that thou art the christ the son of the living god knowing who jesus is is the foundation of the church everybody understand that if you don't know who jesus is you don't have the rock to build on but jesus said i'm going to build my church now we've heard the word church i mean every day of our life almost i mean everybody's familiar with the word church when we think of church we think of you know probably like a steeple and and a building that has kind of a churchy smell when you walk into it and and, uh, you know, different people have different visions when the word church is spoken. But the word church actually means, comes from the Greek word, Jesus said, I will build my ekklesia, ekklesia. Well, you know what that literally means? Called out ones. Ones that are called out called out. See that? We've been studying uh, the last 10 weeks, crazy love. And the whole principle of the book is, is when we're lukewarm, we're just like the world. And when we're just like the world, we can't make a difference. But when our lifestyle, our conversation, our actions, our motives, everything about us is different from the world. It creates something that catches the attention of those that are thirsty and those that are struggling and those that want something different. Amen. Amen. I promise you one thing right now. Those people in this world that God has called us to reach are not looking for something that's like this world. They're looking for something that's different than the world. Different than the world. Amen? Different. I wonder if you believe what I'm teaching tonight here. This is the Word of God. And so separation includes being called out, but it also includes being called unto. Remember the two principles separated from the world, dedicated unto God. So when we do a study on holiness, there are a lot of things in Scripture um, that uh, are discussed. Um, one One of the key words that we could use to talk about holiness is a scriptural word, a theological word from the Bible called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Everybody say sanctified. Well, the Bible says you're justified and sanctified through the name of Christ and through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we're justified and sanctified. Now, this is elementary for some of you, but some of you need to get this tonight. The word justified and sanctified kind of sound the same. Because if you were a rapper, you could use them in the same line. Because they rhyme. But they mean something different. The word justified talks about what has happened to us because of the blood of Jesus being applied to our lives. It simply means that even though we are sinners, even though we have made mistakes and deserve to pay the penalty of sin, because of the blood of Jesus, He has made us right with God. Everybody say, that's cool. And we're justified immediately at conversion. You don't have to work for justification. Everybody say, Hallelujah. Amen. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by cleaning up your act. You're not saved by becoming a better person. You're saved because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and said, If you'll take my blood upon you... Hallelujah. In repentance, or water baptism, spirit baptism, then you can be justified. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm right before God today, but I'm not perfect. Hallelujah. I'm right before God today because His blood covered my sins. And in the eyes of God, it's just as if I'd never done anything wrong in my life. Isn't that awesome? The power of the blood of Jesus and the power of repentance. And there's a lot of people carrying around a lot of condemnation for no reason at all. Amen. Amen. Feeling bad. Devil beating them up over stuff. And they're depressed and discouraged because of the failures in their lives and the shortcomings in their lives and the mistakes they've made in their past. And so they're going around discouraged and depressed. In the meantime... Because of the blood of Jesus, because of His forgiveness, the promise by faith is that you are washed and cleansed in the eyes of God. You have received, imparted righteousness, the righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus. But the word sanctification is different because while justification, God did all the work on the cross, we didn't have to do anything. Right? And I said justification happens instantaneously at conversion. Sanctification is different because in sanctification, we are labors together with Him. We work together with God and sanctification is a process, something that takes place over time. Because justified means I'm made right with God. Sanctified means I'm prepared for Him to use. Everybody got that? Sanctified. Set apart. Set apart. For God's holy purpose. Set apart for God's plan. And so sanctification is a word that describes this process. Describes the process of being called out of a world. But if you could picture someone who's called out of this world, their mind, their mentality, everything about them has been immersed and programmed according to to this culture in this present world. And when they're called out and justified by the blood of Christ. There's a process of changing the way that they think. Or the Bible says renewing your mind. Right? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. And it begins to show up in your life. All through your life. Anybody remember when you were a new Christian? and You were a new Christian. You were excited. You were filled with the Holy Ghost. And you were still using cuss words. Because that's what you've done all your life Swearing and cursing And then all of a sudden you're like Something hits you and you're like Man, that that doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth anymore You know, I probably better quit that And God begins to deal with you And maybe you're studying the Bible And you begin to realize That attitude that I have is not like Jesus Or the place I always go on the weekend I I really don't feel comfortable there anymore Because I'm trying to be like Jesus This is a process of sanctification and it happens over time. A reprogramming of our mind and a preparing of our bodies to be used for God's service, to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So, in holiness, here are some things that are included. We could teach on each of these things. One thing is attitude, attitude's the most important thing. Everybody said amen. You, if you have the wrong attitude and you do everything else right, nothing else counts. Because <laughs> having the right attitude is the foundation of holiness. Everybody say the tongue. The tongue. Conversation, things you say. Whether you gossip, whether you slander. This is part of holiness. You learn how to control your tongue. Can I get an amen? Everybody say the I. The I. What you, you know, people have said the eye is the window of the soul. Basically, things come in as you view them, as you watch them, as you observe, as you read them. They come in and they make impressions upon your inner person. So part of holiness is learning the discipline of not allowing your eye to take in things that will defile you. Amen? Uh, Other things that are included in holiness is... The principles of godly sexuality. Sexual activity is not filthy. It's beautiful. But it must be done God's way. And God's way is between one man and one woman within the bonds of God-ordained marriage. And then it's beautiful. If there's any kind of sexuality outside of those boundaries... It becomes filthy and it defiles the man or the woman. Everybody said amen. Violence and anger are part of learning how to be holy. Obviously not practicing violence and anger, but the opposite of abstaining from taking pleasure in violence or engaging in violence or allowing your anger. Because you know what anger is? Anger is the seedbed of murder. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. What it's really saying is don't get angry with your brother Amen And uh, honesty and integrity These are all things that we could Do series and we have taught and we continue to teach on things like the fruit of the spirit love joy peace long-suffering patience gentleness kindness These are the characteristics of a person who is sanctified or in the process of sanctification. The fruit of the flesh is gone. The fruit of the Spirit is in its place. But guess what? It shows up. It's not just on the inside. It shows up. It shows in your life. And so as we mentioned, in the next few weeks we're going to talk about some things that the Bible teaches about godly appearance. And as we mentioned that we are in a culture that's gone crazy away From what God's principles teach About modesty About sexual distinction About these principles In the word of God that are very clear And we're going to uh, be Looking at these principles So that's kind of a little bit Of a foundation Uh, And of course the word of God Does reveal That God demands an external witness Of our internal holiness What's happening on the inside Is going to show on the outside. Matthew 5 and 16 says it this way Let your light so shine before men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, uh, which is in heaven. And then First Timothy 5 24 and 25 says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also, the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are Otherwise cannot be hid So in, in the amplified bible says so also good deeds are evident and conspicuous And even when they are not they cannot remain hidden indefinitely So evil deeds and good deeds begin to show up in a person's life now here's an important principle of holiness Really really important And I, and I want to make sure you get this because if you don't get this you can get into error that is, well, let's look at Ephesians 2 and 8. That's where the principle is housed, among many other passages. But here's, here's where it's very clearly stated. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, Not of works, Lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Let me just voice the principle to you and make sure you get it from the Word of God. We are not saved by good works. We are saved unto good works. Real plain in that verse of Scripture. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works. Everybody say, not saved by works. Not saved by the things that I do. I'm not saved by living a righteous life. I'm not saved because I did good things. I'm not saved by works. But I'm saved unto good works. So the point is, my good works didn't save me. But if I'm saved, i got to be doing good works. Does that make sense to anybody? Good works are a product of not my salvation, not what produced my salvation. It's real clear in this passage of Scripture here. So people say, well, if you focus on works, that's bad. That's not true. If you focus on works for salvation, that's bad. But if you focus on works, that's completely scriptural. Because we're saved for good works. The Bible says, provoke one another to good works. We're supposed to have God's witness shining forth in our life. And if we're not, it's not pleasing to God. Everybody understand that. In Titus 3, verses 5 through 8, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to the mercy, to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You skip down to verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So good works don't produce salvation, but they're the product of salvation in a person's life. And I could go on and on and uh, focus on these. A- Amen. But also, uh, one of the that I notice, um, if you study the book of Revelations chapter 2 and 3. Revelations chapter 2 and 3. It's very interesting. That's where the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor are sent directly from Jesus. Remember that? You can look at it, Revelation 2 and 3. It's, like, it's kind of interesting because it's red letter edition. But if you know the chronology of Scripture, you know that while John's writing this, Jesus has already ascended into the heavens. So he's not on the earth speaking in a literal body. But they are the words of Jesus Christ to the churches. But if you notice in every single example, Revelations 2 and 3, Jesus says, I know thy works regarding those churches. Church of Philadelphia, I know thy works. Church at Ephesus, I know thy works. Church at Laodicea, I know thy works. They all have faith, but God pronounces judgment and blessing on these churches based on their works. Read it for yourself. It's the truth. So holiness is not a means of earning salvation, but the result of salvation being in our heart. Praise the Lord. Everyone said amen. 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 So while salvation is a free gift... That happens instantaneously. Holiness or sanctification is a costly experience. It's a purifying. It's a purging. It's a perfecting. Amen. Thank God that He saved me. And thank God that He did all the work. But I want to be used of God. So I realize there's got to be a process of making me sanctified For God's purpose so that he can Have his way in my life Now here's a question that some may have where does Teaching about holiness specifics originate and some would say Why even address specifics if the Bible talks about modesty? Why can't you just tell people to be modest? Well, the problem is if all we do is tell people to be modest Then they're going to go based off of the world's definition of modesty. And guess what the world's definition of modesty is? You cover up sexual organs and that's about it. And you're modest. You can go to the beach. You can go around in public. Well, guess what? That's not God's definition of modesty. Well, how you know, Pastor, how you know, the Word of God. We're going to get into that. We're going to look at what, how does the Word of God define modesty? And, and, uh, whenever, if, if you just throw out a principle and don't give scriptural specifics as to how it's spelled out, it, it just completely gets ignored. So everybody understand we have these teachings or principles, and the holiness teachings originate from the Bible itself. Everybody got your Bible? Hold it up. This is where it comes from. It's about living according to this book. It's not about living according to what this televangelist says or what this person believes, or what this group believes, or what these other people are teaching... Let's get back to the Word of God. Let's look at exactly what the Bible says. Let's not let our opinions be swayed by certain personalities or individuals. It's the Word of God. Take me to the Word and let's see what the Bible has to say about these principles. So a a holiness standard or a holiness belief system or a holiness doctrine must either be a specific biblical statement or a valid application of a Bible principle. Everybody understand that a specific statement don't do this. Okay, well, the Bible says don't do that. I'm not going to do it. But then there's other things that are biblical principles and that principle just for example, I will set no evil thing before my eye. That's a biblical principle. My eyes the window of my soul. I got to protect what comes in. Well, what's an application to that an application of biblical uh, an application this biblical principle is hey. Why don't you quit watching your soap operas? Here's an idea. Why don't you quit watching things that are rated higher than this point? Here's a good idea. Why don't you quit watching anything that doesn't edify? Amen. See what I'm saying? The Bible never addresses television or movie or soap opera. None of that. I don't read any of it in there. They didn't have any of that technology. But you can create biblical standards based on the principles of the Word of God, but it has to come from the Word of the Lord. Everybody got that? See, the Bible's not going to address every single thing that we're facing specifically, but it will in principle, and we can apply those principles. So holiness teaching originates from the Word of God, but God also gives us shepherds or spiritual leadership in the church to help us apply the biblical principles to the situations we encounter in our life. So the first Bible teacher is the Word of God. The second Bible teacher is the man of God, the pastor, the spiritual authority, spiritual leader that helps you get into the Word of God and apply the principles. But there's a third holiness teacher, and that holiness teacher is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. It teaches us directly through internal promptings and convictions if we will listen. Here's the, here's the, here's the cool thing. There's three holiness teachers, and there are three types of holiness beliefs or holiness teaching. The first one is the Bible, as we mentioned, and those are universal teachings. Then there are the teaching of the spiritual authority or the pastor. Those are church teachings or church convictions, but they're from the Word of God. The third is the Holy Spirit. And they produce what are called personal convictions. Personal. So we got biblical, which it's addressed directly. Church, which is applying the principles of the word for a body through spiritual leadership. And personal convictions, which are prompted by the Holy Spirit based on your own weaknesses. So, in other words, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, there's some things I can do, but my weaker brother cannot do. Okay, so he doesn't need to do that because he knows it will cause him to stumble and fall. He has what we call a personal conviction. The Holy Spirit has prompted him that this is an area of weakness for him. So while I can walk right into a bar and witness to somebody and not be affected, because I've never tasted alcohol in my life, it has no appeal. I think it stinks. There's someone else who should not go into the bar because of their personal weaknesses. And they say, I will never enter a bar. That's a personal conviction. Now, I'm not talking about going into a honky-tonk and hanging out and shooting the breeze with everybody and say, hey, this don't bother me, I'm cool with all that. Uh, but uh, just kind of an extreme example there to help you see uh, what is meant by a personal conviction something that goes above and beyond but does not contradict scripture that's very important to understand a personal conviction cannot contradict scripture because the holy ghost won't contradict the forever established word of god praise the lord amen everybody say hallelujah Hallelujah. and we're going to close here and i just want to uh read one final passage let me just mention this real quick i'm sorry And I said we would talk about where culture is going. Maybe we'll save that for next week. Um, Because when we teach external standards or things in appearance from Scripture, some people say that that's hypocrisy or legalism or Phariseeism. They say, well, you're being like the Pharisees, worrying about the outside when God cares only about the inside. But I want you to notice that obviously Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. He said, you clean the outside of the cup, the inside is filthy. But Jesus' main problem with the Pharisees was not that they appeared holy, but his problem with them was that their outward holiness was only a facade to camouflage their inner sin. See, Paul consistently taught external holiness. We're going to read and study where he talked about this is how you're supposed to present yourself and look and appear. But he condemned those that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. He says, from such turn away. So the point is, Jesus had problems with the Pharisees because they focused only on that which could be seen, only on the works and not on the inside. Jesus used the word hypocrite to describe them. Everybody say hypocrite. Hypocrite means an actor. Someone that plays a part. He used that to describe the Pharisees seven times in one chapter, Matthew 23. And yet, he made a distinction between the righteous principles they taught and the unrighteous actions they committed. He said this, Matthew 23.3. Let me read it to you. He said, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He said, here's the problem with the Pharisees. What they're teaching is good stuff. Do it. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Because they say one thing and do another because they are hypocrites. And so what is Legalism. Legalism is simply the act of basing your salvation on your own good works or imposing non-biblical rules for the purpose of earning salvation. The Bible strongly condemns this, the idea that we earn our salvation. However, the proper alternative to legalism is not forgetting about God's principles and God's laws, but the proper relationship to God's laws. We realize we have a relationship to God on the basis of grace, but certain responsibilities to God because we're thankful for what He has done for us. Anybody thankful for what God's done for you? So... The only way that observing righteousness in your life, holiness in your life, holiness in your appearance according to the Word of God could be Pharisaical is if there is no corresponding relationship with God on the outside. If you're only putting on a show on the outside, but you're not connected with God and living a righteous and holy internally, then it can be. Just like the pharisees everybody said amen If i'm doing this to look the part and doing this to Project my, that i'm a godly person but on the inside i'm not right with god i'm not... so the whole point is jesus said You clean the outside leave the inside dirty He was not advocating That the proper thing to do is clean the inside and leave the outside dirty He was saying go ahead and clean out the outside but clean out the inside too amen Praise God. So holiness is about being holy on the inside and connected with God, but also living a life that begins to show these principles of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many want to get that root system into the Word of God? Amen. Because we're living in a culture, in a world system where the wind is blowing, where there are times of drought, where you better know what you believe based on the Word of God. You can't say, well, that's what my pastor teaches. That's not going to work. That'll work for a while. But somewhere along the way, you've got to get into the Word of God for yourself. Amen. You've got to say, why do I practice this? Why do I believe this? Because it's a scriptural principle. Because we're seeking to please God and not man. Because we want to obey God and not the values of this world. We want our values and our lifestyle to be lined up to the values of the Word of God. And I want my life. Amen? to reflect God's glory. Amen. And then you can walk into a building and feel the power of God because there are people who are living to please God. People that are connected and plugged in to God's Spirit through prayer and their relationship with God and letting that relationship with God based on the Word of God show itself in our life and the way we treat people and the way we love one another and even also in the way that we appear before men so that we don't cause them to sin. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? And uh, let me, before we before we say a word of prayer, let me ask you, would it be valuable as we go through these specifics? You can just nod your head, yeah or no. If we took ten minutes, I cut my study short ten minutes, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Sounds great, Pastor. I love it. For a time of questions and answers, if somebody has some questions that they want to ask. Ask where we can address these uh, directly from the Word of God because we want to teach the principles we don't want anybody to be in the dark or questioning or wondering uh, because here here's the here's the reality the reality is there is a spirit of worldliness that tries to take the power and vitality away from the church amen it makes the church like the world and powerless that's a spirit amen and i, I I for one I don't want to be a part of a powerless church I don't want to have anything to do with a powerless church Where people can come and say i've been to church, but nobody gets changed nobody's life's changed Nobody walks to the door and says wow. What's that? I feel that's the presence of god amen And a spirit of worldliness will take away Will take away that connection with god and that powerful presence of god in our midst and so as a church We have to teach these principles. We have to teach them. Amen. Some people don't understand. In fact, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Amen. And so that's what we want to do is get the principles out. Help you understand the word of God so that you can live them out in faith before God. And you know what? If you're a God person, if you're crazy in love with Jesus, you're not going to be like the world. You're going to stick out. It's going to be different. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want us to pray together. Why don't we lift up our hands right now as a sign of surrender and say, Jesus, I want to live my life for you, Lord God. I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to get closer to you, Lord God. I want to walk with you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Come on, that's it all over this place. Lift up your hands for a minute. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. You're worthy of my reverence. Lord God, I will not make a mockery of your house or your principles or your word. But you're worthy of my reverence, Lord Jesus. You're worthy, Lord God. Hallelujah of my love, Jesus. You're worthy of my body, Lord God, being offered to you as a living sacrifice. And even though this world pulls on me, and even though, Lord God, the things of this world pull at my mind and at my heart, Lord God, I've made up my mind that the cross is before me and the world is behind me and I'm not going to turn back. I love you, Jesus. I love you with all of my heart, Lord God. Let Jesus my heart be pure. I pray Lord Jesus let my spirit be pure let me be connected to you and in love with you and living Lord God righteously before you Jesus. We pray in the name of the Lord let our church dear God be a holy church be a church that's set apart for your purpose. Anointed especially Lord Jesus to reach this generation and impact young people and impact families Lord God in this area in the name of the lord i pray jesus let us be a church that's set apart for your purpose uh, to do your will in these last days in these final days before you come again jesus uh, hallelujah in the name of the lord we pray in the name of jesus we pray hallelujah lord i want you to reach over if appropriate pray for the person next to you right now we're going to pray for one another in jesus name lord i pray for every individual and every family Every young person, every married couple, Lord Jesus, every single adult, I pray in the name of the Lord, let our hearts, Jesus, be open to your word, Lord God. Let us desire, Lord Jesus, heartily to please you, Lord God, and to have your blessing and favor in our lives, Jesus. Uh, God, if some of us have had misconceptions, Lord, about holiness and about living righteous before you, let the word of God break those misconceptions out, Lord Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah. Let us not be deceived, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. But let us uh, with right motive and scripturally pure, Lord God, seek to please you with our lives, Lord God, in the midst of a generation that mocks it. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Hallelujah, Lord. Bless each family, Lord God. Bless our young people that are right in the trenches, Lord Jesus. Uh, Hallelujah. Bless the young ladies, Lord Jesus, uh, in our church that are oftentimes are ridiculed and mocked because of their stand for righteousness. In the name of the Lord, we know it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. Your word makes it clear that it's going to get worse, Jesus. But God, you're going to give us power, Lord, not only to stand, Lord Jesus, but to make a difference in this world. I pray in the name of Jesus, anoint us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet, Lord Jesus. Let us not walk uncertainly, but let us walk certainly on the foundation of Your Word and the principles of Your Word, Lord God. Hallelujah. Letting Your Word be the guiding force, uh, not this culture or not television or movies or uh, Madison Avenue marketing, Lord God. Let the Word of God be the guiding principles of our life, Lord Jesus. We love You, Lord God. We praise You, Jesus. We worship You in the name in the name of Jesus hallelujah oh glory hallelujah 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 in Jesus name come on clap your hands let's praise him for a minute right now I feel faith and expectancy in the house hallelujah 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 Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Revive us, Jesus. Revive us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Let us be revived through repentance, Jesus. Turning away from the old things and turning toward the new things in Jesus' name. We pray in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Greet one another in the name of Jesus. God bless you. We look forward to a great service this weekend, and we'll see you next week as we begin to address the specifics.